You're listening to audio from New King Church. If you'd like to get our weekly sermons, hit subscribe. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit newkingchurch.com. Good morning, New King Church. Um, I really have not known how to process all that has taken place in our world over the last couple of weeks. My heart absolutely broke as I watched the video of a police officer kneel on the neck of George Floyd until he stopped breathing. Um, I have just been absolutely heartbroken over um, over the, the pain within the black community in our nation um, and the injustices that they have encountered, experienced, not just in recent years, but over um, generations. Um, on top of that, right now, when you go to check the news, there are cities burning uh, all over the nation. And these um, these who are choosing to to riot are drowning out the the peaceful protesters, those who want to bring about change um, through peaceful means. Um, and and people are losing their their life's work, uh, are going up in flames. And all of this happening in the midst of a global pandemic that's claimed the lives of 100,000 Americans, close to 400,000 souls worldwide. I mean, right now, the entire world feels as though it is grieving so much pain. And there is so much brokenness. There have been days where I felt completely paralyzed by the brokenness, by the darkness in our world, in in our hearts, in the human heart, um, by the division that's in our nation, by um, what's going on, it's just absolutely been um, heartbreaking. And I I have wrestled with how to how to deal with it. I I've wept for the friends and family of George. Floyd and for every person of color who um, who lives in fear because of these instances of police brutality, um, I have literally just been a mess and and really tried to wrestle through how do I pastor in these days? How do I lead people well? How can I be of help in these days? And God, in his goodness, you know, I cried out to God. And as always, he answered me. He showed me truths that I could cling to in his word that helped to strengthen my soul. And I want to share some of this with you this morning. I think it's going to help us to, to know how to move forward um, in the midst of such brokenness. Um, and so if you'll pray with me. We'll jump right in. Heavenly Father, God, we need your help. 
we need your Holy Spirit to understand how to grieve properly what's happening in the world, to, to repent properly of our own sin and where we have been complicit, where we have um, contributed to the divisions in our country, where we have contributed to injustice. God, would you help us? Would you help us to be your people, to, to be people who are marked by repentance and grace and unity and love? God, we need your help or else this broken world will, um, will take us down. And so, God, that's what your word does for us. It gives us a sure foundation. It gives us a sure way forward. And I thank you for that. And, Lord, I pray that you would be with my mouth this morning and help me to explain this passage that you've given me to share with our church. And I pray, God, for open hearts to hear it and to receive this message and to respond in faith. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're going to be looking at this passage in Matthew chapter 24 that we already heard read, but if you don't have your Bible already opened up there, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to be looking at verses 12 and 13. And this, this is a passage about what the, the last days will look like before Jesus returns. His disciples asked him how they would know that he was about to return and he starts to sort of give them just, he begins with sort of this general overview of what it's going to look like. And he begins to tell them that nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. So nations and kingdoms will, will be rising up against themselves. He says, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another now, he's talking about people who call themselves Christians here, um, and many will fall away. He says this is going to be a very, very divided time where people are going to, um, they're going to give in to fear, they're going to hate one another, they're going to give give each other away to the authorities in, in persecution. It's going to be a very painful time, a very divided time, nations divided against themselves, Churches divided against themselves, families divided against themselves, and this is all going to happen among those who call themselves Christians. Um, and so Jesus is warning, warning us, saying, "It's it's this is what's going to happen." And then he says in verse twelve and thirteen, he says, "And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold." But the one who endures to the end will be saved. So something about the end times will cause those who call themselves Christians to stop loving genuinely and ultimately fall away. Now, when I read this, it felt very relevant for our day. Because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. This word lawlessness can sometimes be translated iniquity. So he's saying as iniquity increases, the love of many will grow cold. This word lawlessness 
I want to do a, a deep dive into this to understand what he's talking about here. It's not, he's not just talking about people who um, break the laws of their land. It's talking about God's law. So this is talking about lust and greed and hatred and pride and the dark things that are inside our hearts. That's the kind of lawlessness that he's referring to. When, when I read it, I picture this cold, numb look on this police officer's face as he took the life of George Floyd. I think of racism that's plagued our country since its founding. I think of the plethora of injustices taking place in our land in the name of profit, sex trafficking, the abortion industry, unjust lending practices, and on and on and on. Most certainly, lawlessness is increasing in our land. And love grows cold for many. But there's a note of hope here as well. The one who endures to the end will be saved. There's a rescue coming out of all of this brokenness and pain for the one who endures to the end. And that is the reason I'm preaching this message, church, because I love you and I want you to endure to the end. I don't want the brokenness, increasing brokenness in this world to cause your love to grow cold. So let's keep looking at this passage. He says, because lawlessness or iniquity will be increased. So this word lawlessness literally is, it's the Greek word anomia, and it literally means without law. Um, without law. It's the same word that Jesus uses in a, in a passage that you might be familiar with in Matthew 7, verse 23. When Jesus is talking about those who will not be allowed into the kingdom of heaven, he says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. 1 John 3, 4 says, sin is lawlessness. Um, so what is this word lawlessness getting at? What is, it, what is it talking about? Well, sin is lawlessness, John says. Sin, we know, is an act of rebellion against God and his ways. Sin is rebelling against God's perfect standard, also known as his law. In the Bible, God has given us his perfect standard in his law. And to disregard his perfect standard is to be guilty of lawlessness. Whenever we sin, that's what we're doing. We are disregarding God's standard, his law. And that is lawlessness. God gave us the summary of his standard in the form of the Ten Commandments. So the Ten Commandments tell us you shall have no other gods before me. If you've ever put anything before God in your life, you are guilty of breaking that law. His, his second commandment is you shall not make for yourself a carved image to worship. If you've ever loved something more than you loved God, or if you ever trusted your bank account more than you've trusted God, then you've broken the second commandment. 
The third commandment says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now this is, if, if you've ever used God's name as a curse word, that, that would be an example here. But it's also speaking about God in a way that does not honor him, that does not show reverence for him, or that does not show that you truly worship him. That is to take God's name in vain. The fourth commandment is remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So God commands that we rest one day each week in order to honor the Sabbath day. The fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. If you've ever disrespected your parents, if you've ever spoken disrespectfully to them or about them, you've broken this commandment. The sixth is you shall not murder. Jesus raised the bar on this even higher. He said, listen, if you've hated anyone in your heart, you're guilty of murder because hate is the seed that grows into murder. The seventh commandment, you shall not commit adultery. Adultery is any kind of sexual act outside of the covenant of biblical marriage. Anything before marriage or outside of your marriage, all of it is adultery. The eighth commandment, you shall not steal. So that, that means you, should, you shall not steal by, you know, taking directly from someone. It also means you shall not steal from your employer. You shall not steal from the IRS. Um, you shall not steal from anyone at, in any amount. Number nine, the, the ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness. That means if you've ever lied or spoken in a deceptive way to cast someone else in a negative light or to cast yourself in a more positive light, you have borne false witness and you've broken the ninth commandment. And the tenth, you shall not covet. You shall not covet. That means if you've ever lusted for what was not yours, whether that be a person or a, a car or a house or a job or you name it, that is covetousness, to lust for what's not yours. And so this is God's law. This is the summary of God's law. It's the standard, the perfect standard that God established for human beings to live by that he will also judge human beings by. You'll notice in the first four commands, they have to do with rightly relating to God. And then the other six have to do with rightly relating to each other. If you want to do if you want to look at those in more depth, they're in Exodus chapter 20. So the first four are about relating to God, the second, the next six are about relating to each other. Now we're looking at this word lawlessness. And so I wanted to show you what is the law referring to. Now, in Matthew chapter 22, so if you have your Bible open to Matthew 24, just flip back two chapters to Matthew 22, and look at verse 36. Verse 36, this guy asks Jesus, which is the great commandment in the law? He wants to know, Jesus, what is the one great commandment in the law? And here's what Jesus said to him. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. And with all your soul and with all your mind, this is the great and first commandment. And then he says, and the second is like it. You shall love the neighbor, your neighbor as yourself. 
on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now, this guy didn't ask Jesus for the second one. He just said, I want to know the first one. But Jesus said, look, I can't tell you the first one without also including the second one. Because if you say you're obeying the first one, that you love God, but you're not loving your neighbor as yourself, you're a liar. That's what 1 John teaches. The book of 1 John is all about this, that if you say, I love God, but you hate your brother, you are a liar. Jesus is making the point, look, I cannot just boil the commandments down to loving God only because you must love God. And if you truly do, out of your love for God will flow a love for others. So the Ten Commandments can be summarized with these two great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So, now let's come back to Matthew 24, 12. Matthew 24, 12 is saying that in the last days, there will be more and more lawlessness. We see that. So there's going to be more and more disregard for God's law than ever before. People will toss it out. They will not care to hear about it, much less live by God's perfect standards for right and wrong. And so this is what we're seeing now in our, in our world. The reason why we live in a world with so many injustices is because the world rejects God and his standard for right and wrong. And we see this rejection and we rightly long for justice to be done. We yearn for justice to be done for George Floyd and others whose lives have been taken unjustly. And we yearn for this because we were made in the image of God. And God is a God of justice. Deuteronomy 32.4 says, The rock, his work is perfect. For all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity. Just and upright is he. God is just. He is without iniquity. He is perfectly upright. And so because we're made in the image of God, we long for justice. And I promise you one day, friends, justice will will rain down. God will judge the earth. And the Bible says, will not the God of all the earth, will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? In the end, justice will rain down. But in the meantime, we long to see justice on the earth. We long to see people treated with equity. We long to see justice in action. But the problem with our world is that we are not like God. We are not without iniquity. We are not upright in all our ways. We're broken by sin. We are full of iniquity. This is why we have prejudices and why we see systemic racism in our country and police brutality and sex trafficking and corrupt politicians and greedy businesses and divisions and hatred for one another This is lawlessness. And like John said, sin is lawlessness. 
So lawlessness is what Jesus says will be increased in the last days. And I see this happening. You see this happening. It feels like the very world itself is crumbling beneath our feet sometimes. And I don't know if Jesus is really like about to come back right now. He might be. But I know that even if it isn't about to happen in the next year or so, we are in a similar situation today as the, similar, as the situation that Jesus is referring to in this passage in Matthew 24. Because, because the pressure, the pressures are on us in the world. Right now, our entire world is under the pressure of this coronavirus. People are, people are, you know, under incredible amounts of stress. And what happens when we're under stress is that whatever is inside of us comes out. So it doesn't produce the stuff that's coming out of us, but it, it makes it come out. It makes it it makes it seen, noticeable. So pressure doesn't create sin, but it reveals it. And the world right now is under immense pressure. And so whatever's inside of us is coming out. So if you're not interested in the church growing in unity, that's going to come out. If, if you're really proud and you don't think you have anything to learn right now, that's being exposed. If you have hatred in your heart for people who are different than you, that's probably showing right now. And here's one thing I've seen this past week. Some people are letting the pressure expose what's inside them on the roads. <laughs> I mean, here in Vermont, where there's like six cars on the road, people, I've seen people like honking and yelling at each other like it's downtown New York City. So pressure is beginning to expose what's inside of us. And here's what I'm trying to get at. This is the word of warning that Jesus is giving. He says, because lawlessness will be increased, which is going to create greater and greater pressure on people, the love of many will grow cold. For many people, the increase in brokenness and sin all around them is going to cause their love for God and for others to grow cold. You may already know someone who has allowed the brokenness of sin around them to just cause them to hang it up and walk away from the faith. Maybe you're seeing people who, during all that's happening in our world right now, they are just angry. You're seeing an increased impatience in your workplace. You're seeing divisive headlines in the news. You're seeing fighting happening on your social media feeds and arguments among your family members. You are seeing the love of many growing cold because of this increase in iniquity all around us. How does that affect you? Really quickly, I want to look at three possible responses that we can have as a church in these times when lawlessness increases and it will more and more as we get closer to the return of Christ. There are three responses that I think we can have 
Two responses are completely wrong that will cause our love to grow cold. And then the final is the right response. So here, 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 here these three are. The first response, that's the incorrect response, is we can withdraw. We can withdraw. This is, this is probably the response that I am most tempted toward in my flesh. We all, we all have our own fleshly inclination. It's good to know the one that you're the most inclined to. Personally, I'm, I'm a white guy who lives in a bubble in Vermont. Um, and so it, it feels really tempting for me to just withdraw from the conversation, to withdraw from the pain, go into denial that there is a racism issue in our, in our country or even in the church in America. Um, I could pull up the drawbridge get in a bunker that shields me from everything that's overwhelming and from the pain around me and I could just hang on until Jesus comes back. That's, that's one option. I could withdraw. Um, that's, a, that's especially tempting when things, when the atmosphere is so charged and, and it feels like no matter what, what you say or what you do, you're going to be misunderstood and people are going to... Um, not like what you say. But to choose withdrawal in the midst of brokenness is to choose to let my love grow cold. Eventually, we will become indifferent to the way our brothers and sisters in Christ feel. We will become indifferent to their experience. We'll become uninterested in anyone else's perspective because it must be wrong if it doesn't agree with my perspective, right? That's, that's where that leads. So that is not love. Love puts the interests of others before ourselves. It, it treats others as we want to be treated. Love listens humbly. Love empathizes with the pain of others until we understand it. So that's the first wrong way that we can respond is we can withdraw. The second wrong way that we can with, that we can respond to this broken world is through bitterness. Um, we it is so easy to as a defense to what we see happening everywhere. We can just get angry ourselves, and I'm not talking about righteous. Anger. I'm talking about selfish anger, self-defense. It's it's the it's the kind of anger that's born out of pride, and we can easily fall into this as a response. We can look at the wickedness all around us, all of the injustices around us, and we can become nothing but defensive, critical of everyone, vengeful, and ultimately bitterness sets in. All we have to do is scroll through our Facebook feeds to see that this happens. The bitterness of soul will snuff out the fire of love that should burn hot within our hearts. As we see the iniquity all around us, as we see hatred and murder and abuse of power, if we respond with our flesh, we respond according to the way of the world, we'll respond in hatred, we'll become filled with hate for everyone but ourselves. 
So how do we respond? If we if we're not to respond to the increasing brokenness of the world around us with withdrawal, if we're not if we're not to respond in bitterness and vengeance, then how do we respond? How do we endure to the end? The answer is we respond with love. As a Christian, we are called to be one of the few who in the last days do not let our love grow cold. As our world around us falls further and further into sin, into lawlessness, we are called to be people who look like Jesus. What did Jesus look like? Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, fulfilled the divine standard of the law perfectly. He loved God with all of his heart, his soul, and his mind. And he loved his neighbor as himself. This is how Jesus responded to the broken world. He looked at the broken, messed up world full of sinners and rebels against God. He looked right at all the injustice and the hatred and he didn't withdraw. He didn't respond in bitterness. Instead, he stepped right into the middle of it all with his eyes wide open. And he loved God and he loved people relentlessly. And he didn't just love his friends. He loved his enemies. He loved the people who hated him. He looked at broken people and he saw in them the image of God. And he was filled with love and defined by love and compelled by love. If ever there was a person who had a right to be angry at us, it was Jesus. When he was despised and rejected, he faced it all head on with love. Jesus didn't look at the lawlessness all around him and let it make his love grow cold. Not even in the slightest. Instead, he continued to fulfill the law perfectly by loving God and his neighbor as himself. Love for God and his neighbor ultimately took Jesus to the cross so that he could die for people who were nothing like him, who misunderstood him, so that they could become his family. What about you, Christian? In light of what Jesus has done for you, are you willing to do the hard thing, the uncomfortable thing? Are you willing to face your own brokenness and the brokenness of the world around you and compelled by love for God and for your neighbor will you step into it if you will the spirit of God will meet you there he will help you to walk in love and endure to the end that's what Jesus is saying in this passage 
Now, if you are listening to this and you've never turned from your sins and put your trust in Jesus, I want to invite you to do that. If, if you will turn away from doing life your way, if you'll turn away from your lawlessness, from your sin, and turn to God and put your trust in Jesus, he will forgive you of your sins. You can begin a relationship with God today. Because Jesus died on the cross in your place, paid the penalty for your sin, for your iniquity, if you put your trust in him, you can be forgiven and you can start with a blank slate with God. If you want to know more about this, if you want to learn about more about following Jesus and becoming a part of God's family, I would encourage you just connect with us through the number that's on the screen. Reach out to us and let us know that you want to know more about following Jesus. Let's pray. Father, God, we come to you and admit that we are broken people, living in a broken world, surrounded by sin, and filled with sin oftentimes in our own heart. God, we just declare that we need you. We need you to come and bring reconciliation to your church. Lord, we need you to come and help us to repent of our lack of love, of our lack of empathy, of our lack of concern for our brothers and sisters. God, we need you desperately to come and do a mighty work in our hearts. God, help us to face all of the brokenness around us and step right into it in love, just like Jesus did. Fill us with love supernaturally for those around us. God, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.